Go with me to the book of Psalms, please. Psalm 55, then we're going to look at Psalm 91. Psalm 55, Psalm 91. In 55, 22, it says, cast your burden on the Lord. What could you do instead of doing that? You could carry it yourself. Or you could try to put it on somebody else. (laughs) Both of which are wrong. Big mistakes. What should you do with it? What would be a burden? How would you know this is something I need to cast on the Lord? What's a burden? A burden is a weight. It's a load. It's something that weighs on you. It weighs on your mind and on your heart. And you're tempted to worry about it. You're tempted to be upset about it. You're tempted to be afraid about it. So when it becomes something that's weighing on you, what do you know? Bells ought to go off, right? Lights ought to come on. Flags ought to come up. What does it mean? Time to cast this over on the Lord. Instead of doing what? Instead of sitting there with it, letting it sit on you. Letting it just weigh you down. If it's sitting on you, weighing on you, come on, help me out. It is time. To cast it off off for you. Get it off for you. Because one of the reasons you're worrying about it is because you can't fix it. So why should somebody that can't fix it keep it? (laughs) I had some computer issues a week or so ago. And you know, I don't consider myself a dumb guy. And yet I'm no computer whiz. Just because you can turn one on and point and click don't mean you're a computer guy, right? (laughs) And so I messed with it and messed with it and messed with it. And finally, I had a revelation. (laughs) I have people that help us that are good at this. And I'm not being successful getting this fixed. What do I need to do? Come on, help me out. I need to get this to somebody who can who knows what they're doing, can get this fixed. (laughs) Who can fix anything? Who can fix all of it? But as long as you got it, he doesn't have it. So the person that can't fix it is holding on to it, being upset because they can't fix it, but they won't give it to somebody that can fix it. How many would agree? That's dumb. That's dumb. That's dumb. Don't do that. What do you do? Read the scripture. Cast your burden on the Lord. And then what's going to happen after you really do that? What's going to happen? He will, he shall sustain you. Does that sound like you're going to make it? Does that sound like, that sound like now you got in the hands of somebody that can fix it and now you're going to make it? He shall never suffer. The righteous to be moved. Oh, hallelujah. Let me read some other uh, translations of this. One said, cast your burden on the Lord, releasing the weight of it. He'll sustain you. Another said, put your cares on the Lord. He will be your support. He will support you. Another one said, turn your burdens over to the Lord. He will take care of you. Don't you like that? Another one said, turn your worries over to the Lord. He will keep you going. Hallelujah. (laughs) and that's what sustain means sustain means to keep literally it means to keep it also means to nourish to feed to provide to guide to hold come on sit out loud he's keeping me he's nourishing me he's feeding me he's providing for me He's guiding me. He's holding me. He sustains me. Thank you, Lord. I knew you'd like this. I knew you would. Psalm 91, are you there? 
91, in our first session on this, we took most of the time and went through the whole psalm. And the whole 91st psalm is about the Lord keeping us. Isn't it? Keeping us. And at the end of the psalm, in, in verse 16, Psalm 91, 16, he said, with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, a lot of times people have kind of disconnected this from the rest of the psalm and say, well, this is a longevity verse, something you can stand on to believe to live a long time and be satisfied. And it is. But you don't do yourself a service by disconnecting it with the rest of what it belongs to. Why would you live a long time? You got to go back through the psalm because the plague didn't get you. The arrow that flew didn't get you. Come on, are you listening? This didn't get you. That The pestilence, the desolation, the destruction didn't take you out. The famine didn't take you. Come on. The crime didn't take you out. The economy didn't take you out. Oh, I think I could preach a little bit right here. And because you did none of that took you out, God was with you and kept you and sustained you and nourished you and fed you and held you. You made it through your 20s. And then you made it through your 30s. And then you made it through your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. And you made it through your 80s and 90s. And you got old. You got so old. The old people called you old. And with long life, he satisfied you and showed you his salvation. Another one said, I will give them long, full life and show them how I can save. I will satisfy you with a long life. I will show you how I will save you. Is that him keeping you? Absolutely. Is God keeping you? Hallelujah. Go with me. We we looked at Exodus, the 15th chapter. Go back to Exodus, please. Exodus 15, we read in the 26th verse. Exodus 15, 26. He said, if you'll diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments, keep all his statutes. I put none of these diseases upon thee, which I brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heals you. I want you to see a a principle. He's saying, you stay with me. You do what I tell you to do. And I'm going to be your healer. And what's happened to these other folks is not going to happen to you. I'm going to be your healer. Is he still the Lord that heals you? Oh, yes, he is. I'm the Lord who heals you, he said. Hallelujah. Another one said, I am, I, Jehovah, am healing you. Another one said, I, the Lord, am your healer. He's your healer. But notice how it began, if you listen. Can you see this? There's a connection. Go to the 23rd chapter of Exodus. Exodus 23 and verse 25. I'm going to read the uh, living Bible. Exodus 23, 25 says, You shall serve the Lord your God only. Then I will bless you with food and with water, and I'll take away sickness from among you. There will be no miscarriages nor barrenness throughout your land. You'll live out the full quota of the days of your life. What does it start off with? Verse 25. If you serve the Lord, if you serve the Lord, then what's he going to do? Does this sound like keeping you? He He's going to keep you with food. Is that right? And he's going to keep you in health. He's going to take sickness out of it from among you. He's talking about the entire nation. Have you read this? We're actually reading in Exodus and about God delivering the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage. And skipping ahead a little bit, have you read in the Psalms how that it said he brought them forth with silver and with gold, which they didn't have before that. 
And there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Now we know there was six. The Bible tells us that group that came out. There were 603,000 plus soldiers. Amen. Plus the women and children. Plus the older people. I think you got a minimum of a couple of million people. And you couldn't find one sick person? Is the Bible true or not? The Bible said there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Well, if God could do that with a couple of million people, why couldn't he do it with the church? Why couldn't he do it with the whole body of Christ? You see in the book of Acts, right after the day of Pentecost and the church was growing, thousands of people were coming in and getting saved. And the Bible said, not any among them lacked. You remember reading that? You couldn't find one person among those thousands in the church that didn't have money to pay their bills. Or money to eat or money for the kids. The Bible said there wasn't one of them that lacked. That's the will of God. And his ability has not been changed. It has not been diminished. His will has not changed. How many suppose God's still able to keep his people, keep them in health, and protect them, and feed them, and provide for them? So the devil's always trying to convince people that there's shortage of everything. And there's not enough to go around. And if somebody else got it, that's going to keep you from getting it. Somebody say lies. Lies, lies, lies. Even in its fallen state, and even with the curse on the earth, we are nowhere near tapping into the full provisions of this planet. Nowhere near. Don't you believe these lies? It is not true. God is well able, more than enough, to keep everybody that believes in him. He can bring water out of a rock. He can fly in fresh quail without an airplane. Come on, are you with me? He can get your tax money out of a fish's mouth. Come on, can he do it? That's not the problem. The problem is people... That'll stay hooked with him and do what he said. And if you won't stay hooked with him and do what he said, then why would he be responsible for keeping you in good health and keeping you in plenty of money so you could rebel against him and finance your rebellion and support your wrong habits? Why would God be responsible for that? I mean, as a minister, I know clearly. I'm sure I could know it more clearly, but God's not responsible to finance just anything I'd decide to come up with. He's not responsible to anoint and confirm just anything I'd decide to preach. If a lot of folks would be honest, preachers, believers alike, They'd be in the middle of something going, God, God, this is so hard. I don't have the anointing. I don't have the help. I don't have the money. Nobody will help me. God, God. And if you'd be honest and listen, he'd say, well, I never told you to do that. (laughs) This is something you came up with. He will let you do what you want to do. Even if it's contrary to his plan. Early days of ministry, there's a couple of things I really thought I wanted to do. What are you laughing about? <laughs> and I couldn't get the Lord to talk to me about it. And so I pushed and pushed and finally I felt like the Lord said, well, do what you want to do. And I took that as kind of a passive confirmation. Do you remember that the, the people pushed Samuel about a king? And the Lord told him, you're not supposed to have a king. I'm your king. But they kept pushing until what did he do? He said, all right, there's your king. Now this is what he's going to do. He's going to take your money. He's going to take your kids. 
He's going to take this. He's going to take that. And they say, yeah, but we got to have a king. Well, there you go. And did they have trouble out of their king? Oh, man. The Lord will let you do what you want to do. And you push for something hard enough, you can do it. That don't mean it was his plan. And after two or three of those things, I came in one day and fell on the floor. I said, oh, God, I don't want you to let me do stuff anymore. I don't, I don't want to try to get you to let me do I I want to just find out what you want me to do and do that. Can you say amen, so be it. Amen. What's going to happen? You serve the Lord your God and Him only, and He's going to bless you. Now, you'll see this through Deuteronomy 28. You'll see this through Leviticus. You'll see this place after place after place, this idea of you stay with me. You do what I tell you to do. You follow my instructions. And I'm going to be there for you. I will fight for you. I'll be an enemy to your enemies. I will protect you. I'll take care of you. I'll feed you. I'll be your provider. I'll be your healer. But I'm paraphrasing now. Have you read these passages? If you forsake me. If you refuse to do what I tell you to do. Are they still going to get his protection and his provision? No, you're not. No, you're not. And somebody might say, well, thank God we're not under the law. So we'll still get all the provision and protection no matter what we do. Well, no, that's not right either. It's by faith today. And the problem is if you don't do what he tells you to do by his spirit or by his word, your heart is going to condemn you. Amen. That's not God condemning you because you're not doing everything perfectly. That's your own heart condemning you because you're either doing something you know you shouldn't be doing or you're not doing something that you should be doing. And it's not that the Lord's against you. That sin's already been paid for. God's not holding. He's not holding out things from you. But all of the grace of God is only accessed through our faith. Amen. And if our faith is affected, our enjoyment of grace is going to be affected. Can you see this, friends? Very important. So, walking in the light is very important. In 1 Corinthians 6, last week, we looked at this. 1 Corinthians 6, 13. The latter part of it said, Now the body is not for fornication... But it's for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. Said out loud. The body for the Lord. Lord. And the Lord for the body. body. Now there's a number of applications to that. But what what we're talking about right now. Is part of it. If I will use my body. To serve him. The more I give myself to him. The more responsibility he can take. For the welfare of my body. I mean if I just want to abuse my body with drugs. And if I just want to see how much I can sin. And and what I can do. Why is God obligated or responsible. To keep me healthy. To live that rebellious lifestyle. And it's not that he wouldn't want to help you. Or he's going no you're messing up. I'm not going to have anything to do with you. He's not against us. He's for us. The problem is. If your heart's condemning you because you know you're not doing right, you won't come to God. You won't receive from God. You'll stay away from God. You'll run from Him. That's not His fault. But you still have to get it right, repent, and do what you know you should do. Or that's why your confidence won't be there. Your confidence to receive. First John, let's go over there. I know I keep referring to it. But uh, so you realize this is not just my idea or my thought. First John, the third chapter. First John 3 and 20. First John 3:20 says, "If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. What's condemning us? Our heart. That's not God. That's our own heart. Verse 21. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence 
toward God. How are you going to have confidence to come boldly before the throne of grace and get help in the time of need? How are you going to have confidence to resist the devil boldly and him flee from you? Receive your healing. Receive your provision. Receive your wisdom. How are you going to have confidence to do that? Only when your heart's not condemning you. That's why no matter how much grace is available, you're not going to access it except through your faith. We're saved by grace through faith. You're not just saved by grace. The grace provides it, but it's got to be accessed with your faith. If you're just saved by grace, everybody's saved, whether they believe or not. But if faith is the factor, then what's available through grace is going to be limited according to what our faith is doing. And whatever we ask, we receive of him. Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Now, I'm going to understand, we're reading in 1 John, not Exodus, (laughs) not Deuteronomy. So the principle is the same. We're not righteous by keeping the law. We're righteous by our faith in what Jesus has done. But still, we're not going to be able to access and enjoy all that Jesus has provided unless we're operating in a way that our heart's not condemning us. Oh, but when our heart's not condemning us, two big things about that. Number one, you have faith that the blood of the Lamb has cleansed you and washed you from all sin. Number one. And number two, if you mess up, you repent, believe, have faith in that blood that you're clean, and walk in the light that you have. Do what you know to do. Now, if you say, well, no, it don't take that step. It does take that step. If you don't walk in the light that you have, God's not against you, but your heart's going to be condemning you. And if your heart's condemning you, you're not going to have confidence toward God. But when your heart's not condemning you, then you're going to have confidence toward God. And back up to that 22nd verse. And whatever you ask, you're going to get it. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Not because you're keeping the law. Because you're just doing what he told you to do. You're being led by the Spirit. You're walking in faith. You're walking in love. You're not trying to keep a law so that you can be accepted of God doesn't come into that at all. And the things he mentions, the commandments, what is the commandment that we keep under the new covenant? Well, it's right there in the very next verse. Verse 23. This is his commandment. What? Number one? Believe. The just shall live by faith and walk by faith. Believe. Faith. Believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And what else? Love one another as he gave his commandment. Now, it doesn't take long to read, but how many know that will keep you busy all day and all night? Is that right? And every week of the year. Because every day you will be tempted to doubt and to fear. Is that right? And every day you'll be tempted to be selfish. Won't you? I'm not talking about your neighbor, I'm talking about you and me. But if we will resist that temptation to doubt and fear, resist the temptations to be selfish, and we'll walk in faith and walk in love, our heart will stay in a place where it's not condemning us. Because we know we're doing everything we know to do, to walk in faith and walk in love. And when we know that, our confidence is there. And whatever we ask, how many believe the Bible here? Whatever you ask. He said, you receive it of him. Now, with that in mind, go over, please, to the book of Acts. Thank you, Lord. I've been trying to get to Acts for a couple of weeks now. And here we are. Acts, the 26th chapter. Now, Paul, who God gave the revelation of Grace and redemption and and faith and Romans, 
Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, all of these. This is where the bulk of where we get the light and understanding about redemption reality. Our righteousness in him and all these things. Did he have any challenges finding and following God's plan for his life? Did he? But uh, we've been reading, talking about fighting a good fight of faith on Sundays. That he said in 2 Corinthians, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. Now this was at the end of many years of walking with the Lord, traveling the known world, preaching the gospel in places other folks didn't even want to go, starting churches, uh, didn't he, all over the known world. And in in one passage in 2 Corinthians, he goes through a list of some of the problems and hardships that he encountered. He talks about being shipwrecked. Said he spent night and a day just bobbing up and down the ocean like a cork. He was shipwrecked more than once. He talked about being beat with sticks multiple times. Talked about being stoned. And and he talked about betrayals and, and, and all kind of things. But how many can see through it all he made it and continued to do what God had called him to do. Now, this is something we really want to get in our spirit big. Because there will be challenges in this life. Some people have misunderstood and thought, well, boy, if you have faith, you'll never have any problems. Well, I don't know who said that, but if they did, it's wrong. No. They that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, among other things. And... uh, There will be many challenges and tribulations, but the Lord will deliver you out of them all. It's not a matter that you won't have any challenges. If you'll stay with him and stay in faith and won't quit, you will overcome every one of them and make it to the end of what you're called to be and do until you get to the place where you can say with long life. He has satisfied me and showed me how he could save me and keep me all these years. There will be times. Did you hear I said will? That you'll be tempted to just give up and quit and go home early. Mister, don't speak that over me. That's how it is. You need to be ready in your mind because many, many, many believers have left early. They died younger than they should have died. They're saved. They're with the Lord. They wouldn't come back if they could. And until you have been where they are and overcame it, don't talk big. And yet, This life is so short. We should not allow ourselves to be robbed of even a week down here. But in order to have what it takes to hold on to him and to fight and to overcome, you're going to have to have a very strong reason to live. You're going to have to have something in you That is the purpose of God. The plan of God. That if they tell you this is not going to happen. That's not going to happen. You don't have this. It can't be like that. This is incurable. This is terminal. Whatever the case may be. At that point. And and, and in fighting something and dealing with something. You can get tired. You can get tired of dealing with it. You can get tired of having to think about it. And it gets easier just to leave. Say, hey, forget all this. I'm out of here. Do you think there were some points Paul could have done that? We don't have to think. 
He said so. Go to 2 Corinthians. I just thought I was getting to Acts. <laughs> Second Corinthians, which is where he, uh, he gave that list of all the things he'd been through later in this book. But in the first chapter, 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 3. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Did you know your victory is not just your victory? That's right. If you give up and quit and don't win, that can affect some other people. Because they can look at you and go, well, if they couldn't make it, what's the point of me trying? It can discourage them. But on the other hand, when you overcome, I said when you overcome, then with that same comfort that God comforted you with and brought you through, you can comfort them. You can say, brother, I've been where you are. I know it's not easy, but don't quit. Don't give up. I'm telling you, it can change so quick. Just hold on. Keep leaving. Be strong. We coming out. Your victory, in a sense, will be other people's victories. It will encourage them and inspire them. And, and they'll say, well, God did it for him. He brought him through, brought her through. Keep going. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds by Christ. How many know his grace is sufficient? It's bigger than anything you could deal with. And whether we be afflicted, it's for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the adhering of the same sufferings which we suffer. Whether it's we be comforted, it's for your consolation and salvation. I'm telling you, your victories affects other people. It's their victory too. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so shall you be also of the consolation. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength. Out of whose measure? Paul's measure. Uh, above whose strength? It was beyond Paul's strength to deal with. Insomuch that we despaired even of life. Who? Who said this? Paul. Paul despaired of life? How many think we ought to read these verses too? Is Paul a faith man? You never saw a better faith man. Except Jesus. And yet, what's going on here? Despaired of life. Verse 9. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves. But in God, which raises the dead... Oh, friend, this is shouting ground. This is shouting ground. Where was Paul at? He was out. No more strength. But he said, what's this? I'm going to paraphrase a little bit if that's all right with you. What if you did die? We know. We know who raises the dead. Oh, come on, come on. Can you say, what if you did die? I may die. Well, the Lord Terry is coming. We're all going to die. But he said he came to the end of his self and he said, well, that's okay. Because I'm not all I've got to depend on. I'm out. I'm out of strength. This is beyond me. I'm at the end. I got no more. But. I'm just going to count me dead right now. Okay, <laughs> dead. Okay, we're going to admit it. Paul couldn't do it. Paul is out. Paul is over. But I wasn't just trusting in Paul. I'm trusting in the God who raises the dead. Who, come on, verse 10, who did what? What did he do? What did he do? 
What did he do? Did God keep Paul? He delivered us. Did Paul make it out of that? He delivered us from so great a death. And he does deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver. If I need something after this tomorrow or next year or something bigger three years from now than I've ever been in before. He will deliver me out of that too. Does it sound like Paul saying God is keeping me? He kept me through this. He's keeping me right now. And in the future he's going to keep me. And he would get me through and deliver me. Through anything and everything that could possibly come. Oh somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. There were times Jesus prayed. That time Jesus prayed. Lord if it's possible let this cup pass from me. Not my will. But yours be done. Sweat blood. Was that easy? No. No. So there'll be times you'll be tempted to just throw up your hands and say, that's it. I'm done with this. I'm not fighting anymore. I'm not trying anymore. I just want to go and be with Jesus. How many know every one of us need to be ready in this kind of situation? What do you do? Well, millions have just quit and gone. They're live and well in heaven. But we're not just down here to bide time till we die or till he comes back. We got a mission to complete. Come on, is that right? We got a job to do and we don't need to leave until that job is done. Now go with me to Acts. I think we will make it to Acts. Acts 26. In the process of Paul following God's plan for his life, he winds up a prisoner. He winds up being taken in front of judges and magistrates and kings. And what did he do with every one of them? He preached to them. Is that right? He preached to them. And so finally, they send him to Rome. It'd be like today appealing your case to the Supreme Court. They're sending him to Rome. And he, he's on this ship. With other prisoners and cargo. And in Acts 26, and let's see, down about verse, uh, well, all this is wonderful, and I need to read it. (laughs) Acts 26, verse 15, he's sharing the vision that he had and the call. He said, I heard a voice said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecute me? It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. In verse 15, I said, Lord, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. But rise, stand up on your feet. I've appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, uh, both of the things which you have seen and of those things in which I will appear to you, delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles on whom now I send you. Did you know you're going to need to be delivered from the people God sends you to? <laughs> well, think about Moses. Who did God send him to? What about that bunch? Murmured against him? Griped against him? Is that right? He needed deliverance from the very people that God sent him to. And Paul is an apostle to the Gentiles. That's the, the non-Jewish people. And these are the ones that have got him in jail. These are the ones he's been hauled in front of their courts. The Gentiles, the Romans. But he said, don't, don't be concerned about it. I'm going to deliver you from the people in the Gentiles to whom now I'm going to send you. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Come on, say it out loud. I was not disobedient disobedient. to the heavenly vision. vision. What kept Paul going? What kept him going? He had a commission. He had a call. He had a commission from God. Was he truly, I know people talk and laugh about it, but was he really on a mission from God? He was. For real. And is that bigger than anybody, 
than any disease, than any weather. Come on, are you listening? Is that bigger than anything? Oh, friend, you get this revelation in you, it will fail your proof you. It will. You get this revelation in you. Because the devil wants you to believe that there are any number of things that can stop you and prevent you from doing God's plan for your life. But it's a lie. I said it's a lie. Because if any of these things could stop you from doing the plan of God in your life on their own, then they are bigger than God. Which they are not. And if they are not, come on, tell me what the other side of this is. If they are not bigger than God, what does that mean? That if you won't let them, none of those things can stop you. Because greater is he that's with you and in you and for you. Paul got this. Through what we just read in 1 Corinthians, through what he read later, When the Lord told him, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is seen and made known, manifested in weakness. Paul got it. He went through some bumpy places before he got it. But there was a point where he got it settled in him and he knew nothing can stop me. Nothing can stop me till I have run my whole race and finished my whole course and done everything that I'm supposed to do. And then when God and me get good and ready for me to go, then we will go. The Romans can't stop me. The Jewish leaders can't stop me. Disease can't stop me. Robbers can't stop me. Traitors can't stop me. Come on, are you listening? Did he, uh, how many did he realize he got to preaching about this in Romans 8? Amen. Not principalities, not powers, not things present, not things to come, not demons, not angels. Come on, can you see what he's talking about? Yes. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Yes. And that love does not fail. God is that love. But see, the devil's continuously trying to get you to believe This can stop you. This lack of money can keep you from being able to do this. This problem with your body can keep you from being able to do this. This problem with this relationship. This problem with this. This problem on your job. This problem with this. And if you listen to that, you'll just throw up your hands and go, well, I guess I can't do it. And if you believe that and say that, then you can't. But it's not because God can't do it through you. It's because you've quit. You throw up your hands and you go, I can't. Have you ever found in the New Testament where it said you can't? Anywhere in there where it says you can't? Or did it say, I can. I can. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He said, I wasn't disobedient to that heavenly vision. Chapter 27. When it was determined that we should sail to Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band. They entered into the ship. The next day they they touched Sidon. Verse 4, they launched and sailed under Cyprus. Tells about their trips. They're they're on this this ship. Eventually he's going to wind up in Rome. And uh, down, let's see, about verse uh, 9 when much time was spent and sailing was now dangerous, it was late in the year because of the, the, the time, he said, Sirs, I perceive this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Is this God trying to protect them? Now, you know from reading the rest of this, they went through a terrible storm. Could they have missed that whole deal? Yes. <laughs> Could they have missed that whole storm? They could have. Just listen to the Lord right here. And say, okay, we're not going to keep trying to push this. We're just going to stay here for the rest of the winter. That'd have been safe. How many believe avoidance from the problem is much better than having to be delivered out of the middle of the problem? But he's not in control. Verse 11, the centurion believed the master and owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. He's a preacher. What does he know about sailing? 
And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, they didn't like it there, didn't want to spend the winter there. They struck sail, left. And it looked like everything was going good. Yeah, that preacher didn't know what he's talking about. Look what pretty weather we got here. (laughs) But verse 14, not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Erocladon. How many know when they name a storm? That's bad. Is that right? (laughs) They've been naming them a long time. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up in the wind, we let her drive. And it just got worse and worse. Eventually, verse 19, they threw out the tackling of the ship with their own hands. Now, that's the equipment that it takes to run the ship. That's how bad it was. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, no small tempest lay on us. All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. All hope that who should be saved? We. We. That's Paul too. Does this look like this is it? But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should listen to me. (laughs) I told you. Do not try to complete this trip now. And you wouldn't have gained this harm and loss. But now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you. But of the ship, we're going to lose the ship. How many of it can cost you when you don't obey God? For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Now, anybody remember those scriptures we read in Exodus? Uh Who is God going to be the healer to, the provider to? The people. He said, you serve me and I'm going to be your healer. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to be you. He said, there stood by me this night the angel of the Lord, whose I am and whom I serve. And he said, fear not, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar. What does that mean? What does that mean? The Lord Lord says, you have an appointment in Rome. You have a speaking engagement. What does that mean? Oh, friend, get the, let, let this get in your spirit. Open your spirit up real wide and let this come into you and just get imprinted on your inner man right now. What did that mean to Paul? What did that mean to Paul? They still got a storm. Storm hadn't changed. They're still swirling around in this hurricane. But what is Paul convinced of now? He said, cheer up, boys. Man, that's faith. Where did he get this faith? He heard from the Lord. What does he know? I can't die out here. I can't die out here. I've heard from the God whose I am and whom I serve. I ain't through. I'm not through. Yeah, but there's a category five. I don't care if it's category 12. It ain't bigger than God. Yeah, but the ship's coming apart at the seams. I don't care. That does not matter. I'm not dying out here. Oh, can you see this? Which is why we should be so earnest about finding the will of God and giving ourselves completely to it because that is the safest place in the universe. Because if you are fully committed to finding and doing His will and plan, nothing can stop you. I don't care what it looks like or feels like. How could it stop you? It'd have to be bigger than God. Come on. You know the story. The ship broke up. They got on the pieces of boards and, and floated in. And praise God, it came to pass that nobody drowned. They lost the ship. They lost everything on that ship. But not a single person drowned. How many would say that's a miracle? But they're on this remote island. And it's raining. And it's cold. And so they need to build a fire. And so Paul, not being a lazy bum, is helping get firewood. And what happened? Can anybody know what happened? Well, at chapter 28, chapter 28, when they were escaped, they knew that the island was called Melita. The barbarous people showed us no little kindness. They kindled a fire. 
received us every one because of the present rain and the cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came out a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. Is he a man of God or not? Yes. Is he a faith man? Yes. Well, here within a few hours, he's been shipwrecked and snake bit. <laughs> and he ain't even close to Rome where he's supposed to be going preach. Is that? And the ship is gone. How are they ever going to get to Rome? How many understand you couldn't just pick up the phone? Call somebody. What would a lot of people do at this? They'd have started crying. And looking at that snake bite. And going, oh God. I did my best to serve you. Why are all these things happening to me? I don't understand. I'm a faith man. This is not supposed to be happening to me. (laughs) That's how you die. (laughs) That's how you die. What did he already get? He said, I I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. From the day he met Jesus, the day he was born again on the road to Damascus, he's got a purpose. Can you see this? He has a purpose. He's got a call. He's got somewhere to go and something to do. And he encountered many difficulties. And there were times when he was out. He despaired of life. But he learned how to just quit trying to make it happen. And just throw himself on God's ability. And said, if I do die, God can raise me from the dead right here on the spot. And, and there are indications that he probably, that's exactly what happened when he got stoned. But he was convinced nothing can stop me. Was that venom real? And it's flowing through his veins. And everybody on the island knows this snake. This is the bad one. This one gets you. How many know there is no ER clinic? There's no no clinic. There's no call in the ambulance. Ain't no ambulance. What happened? When they saw the venomous beast hang on his hand. So he really got him. Didn't he? He didn't graze him. He's hanging on his hand. What does that mean? The fangs are in his hand. And so is the venom in his blood, in his system. And they said, no doubt this man's a murderer. He's got to be a bad guy. Because look, he escaped the sea. He made it through the shipwreck. But vengeance, he didn't get by. Sorry, rascal. That snake got him. He just thought he got by. Come on, tell me what Paul did. Come on, what, what did Paul do? Oh, what a picture this is. I said, what a picture this is. You've been pitched up and down in 20-foot waves for three weeks. Come on, are you listening to me? You've puked till you can't puke no more. Hadn't been able to sleep. Hadn't been able to do this. Now you've swam for your life. You swallowed, you know, a couple of gallons of seawater. And you've, you've made it on this island. Who knows where this is? And you finally get close to a fire and a snake bites you. <laughs> And what did Paul do? Come on, help me out. Show me, show me what it is. Show me what it is. You know, that kind of reminds you of this, don't it? Just doesn't it? That reminds you of this. What did he do? Pass me some in crackers. That's a nice island y'all have here. And everybody's just quiet. Come on, verse five. He he shook off the beast into the fire and what and what and what? Yeah, but it's venomous. Friends, God is so much bigger than any problem we can encounter. If he's bigger than venom, he's bigger than cancer. He's bigger than AIDS. He's bigger than heart problems. Come on, he's bigger than money problems. Is Is he or not? If you believe those things can stop you from running your race and finishing your course, then they can. But if you won't believe it, I said, if you won't believe it, if you believe greater is he that's in you, and then no matter what hits you, you just, come on, show me how, don't don't hit, don't hit anybody, but what do you do? That means you ain't going to cry about it, you're not going to get depressed about it, you just shake it off. Somebody say, shake it off, shake it off, shake it off. You see, you might have thought that's a modern expression, it's been in the Bible a long time. 
Hasn't it? Come on, look at, look at somebody. Look them in the eye and say, just shake it off. Just shake it off. Now if you say, we don't understand. This is serious. Well, was that serious? Come on, think about it. People would call us nuts looking at somebody bitten by a deadly viper and our advice is, just shake it off. Yeah. Yeah. Those girls are nuts. That's a <laughs> lunatic religious bunch. And yet that's exactly what Paul did. You can shake off a whole lot more than you think you can. It's just a choice. Are you going to get depressed over it? Are you going to sit there and think about it and cry and feel sorry for yourself and perish? Or are you going to shake it off? And they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. And after they looked a great while, they're thinking he should be dead by now. And they saw no harm come to him. They changed their mind. And they said, the sea couldn't kill him. Snake couldn't kill him. He must be a God. Just like that. Everything changes. And without going into the details, the next thing you know, God uses him to pray for the chief man in the island and he gets healed. And then everybody that had problems came in the island and they all get healed. And they had a move of God on that island. Isn't it amazing? Shipwreck couldn't take him out. The snake bite couldn't take him out. The angel said, you got to go to Rome. Hmm? You must. Don't you like that? Fear not, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And good for them. God's given you everybody that's with you. They, should they have been real happy that Paul was on that ship? That's the reason why they all survived. Because a man of God was on there. And God spared him. And gave, no doubt Paul was praying for him too. said he gave him, gave Paul. All them that sail with thee. One more verse. Can you take it? Yeah. Say, God is keeping me. Keeping me. I'm, going I'm going all the way. Nothing's bigger than God. Bigger than God. Hallelujah. Do you believe it? No disease. No problem. Joshua 14. We're going to start in about verse 6. Paul endured some things they shouldn't have gone through because people he had no control over wouldn't listen to God. Is that right or not? But in spite of it, God delivered Paul and kept him through all of it. When the Israelites got to the promised land, they sent in the spies. You remember what happened? Ten of them came back with an evil report and said, we can't do it. But Joshua and Caleb said, we can do it. Let's go do it right now. God's with us. Their defense has departed from them. We can do this thing. But they, the people would not be convinced. They cried and despaired. And you know how it worked out for the next 40 years. They all wander around out in the desert. Not to plan a God. Canaan land. Promised land. That's the plan of God. Including Joshua and Caleb. Have 40 years. Out there with this griping bunch. As they get old and die. Can other people's disobedience affect you? Yes. It can. Can other people's disobedience keep you from having the plan of God fulfilled in your life? No. No. Nobody's bigger than God. Don't get to looking at anybody else and go, if they just obey God, I could get this thing. God's bigger than even them. Is that right? If you won't despair, if you won't give up, some things may be delayed. Some things may be hindered. But if you won't turn loose, nobody, nothing can stop the plan of God for you. 
Now you need to believe this. You need to get rid of everything else contrary to it. Night after night, Joshua and Caleb sitting around the campfire. Week after week, manna cakes in the morning, manna pudding in the evening. Month after month, year after year, five years, ten years, twenty years, thirty years. Somebody say thirty years. You reckon they got tired of this? You know they did. And they're just getting older all the time. Could they have been tempted to give up and quit and just want out of there? Forty years. Forty years lying around in the desert. Dry, desolate. But at the end of 40 years, all those guys are dead except Joshua and Caleb. And you know what? They still got some fire in them. Which lets me know they had to do something for those 40 years. They must have hung out together some. What do you think? They must have looked at each other across the fire late at night and said, I'm going in. Hmm. I don't care what the rest of this bunch does. I don't care if it takes me 30 years, 40 years. I don't care if it takes me 100 years. I'm going in. You hear me? Caleb said, you got that right. You ain't going in by yourself either. Me and you, buddy. If nobody goes in, me and you going in, the Lord told us we could and we are. We're going in. How many know you got to do a lot of talking and inspiring yourself for 40 years? 40, 40, 40 years. Oh, but here we are at the end of the 40 years. And the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal. Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the thing the Lord said to Moses, a man of God, concerning me and you? In Kadesh Barnea? Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart, which was a good report and faith. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And we've been talking about this. What if you stay with the Lord? What can you count on? Is he going to keep you? Yeah. And Moses swear on that day saying, surely the land that your feet have trodden on will be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord, my God. So him and Joshua must have told each other night after night, week after week. You remember that, that place we seen? You remember them big grapes? Remember all that stuff? Remember that place over there? I'm going to name that place Calebville. Yeah. Calebville. Remember that pretty lake and that pretty mountain over there? And he said, yeah. Remember that other place, the big vineyards and that pretty river that comes through there? I'm going to name that Joshua Town. That's mine, brother. He said, I know it is. How many of that's one reason you need to go to church? Amen. And you need to have faith buddies. Come yeah. on, is that right? When nobody will talk right to you, yeah. you find somebody that will. Amen. Verse 10. He said now. Oh can you shout about this? Now. Behold the Lord. Come on what did he do? Come on what has he done? He has kept me alive. These 45 years. Ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses. Through the desert. Through the griping. Through the snakes. Through the scorpions. Come on, are you with Through getting older year after year after year. He said, God's kept me alive. Kept me alive. While the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And lo, today I am fourscore and five years old. I am 85. Did God keep him? The rest of them are dead. All the rest of the men his age, all of them are gone. Keep reading. And yet... I'm 85 but I want you to know something I'm a man and I'm just as good to go I'm as strong this day as in the day that Moses sent me as my strength was then even so is my strength now for war both to go out 
and come in. He said, don't let this gray hair fool you. You know what we've been doing the last 45 years? Preaching to each other. We have had faith convention every week. Me and Joshua. Is that right? We are so full of the word. We are so full of faith. We are so convinced of this thing. And I know I'm 85, but God has kept me through every one of those 45 years. And nothing took me out. And I'm just as good to go and strong right now. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. I want it now. I've waited long enough for it. I'm here. I'm ready to go get it. I got my sword. I got my shield. I got my guys with me. Give it to me. Yeah, but you're 85. Get out of my way. You heard how in the day of the Anakims were there and the cities were great and fenced. Which mountain does he want? He wants the one with the big fence and the mountains. I mean, the, the giants. The reason the rest of the bunch was too scared to go in. He said, the Anakims are there. That's the giants. And the cities are big and fenced. And if the Lord be with me, I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord has said. Oh, hallelujah. And Joshua blessed him and said, you got it. Gave Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron for an inheritance. Anybody know what happened? And he took it. Hallelujah. He took it and they had it. Don't believe what the devil tells you. You can come through a thousand diseases. Yeah, but my body's been weakened. Well, your body can be strengthened. Well, it ain't what it used to be. Well, it can become what it hadn't been. (laughs) You got to make up your mind what you got more faith in. You got more faith in that to stop you or in God to bring you through. How many want to have some fire in your belly? Like Caleb and Joshua, come on, you, you want to have something in you, this purpose, this sense of purpose, this sense of call and vision and drive and make up your mind. I am not leaving till I get through with my race, till I finish my course. If it's God's plan for me, why do I have to? What's bigger than him? If I need to be healed, he'll heal me. If I need to be restored, he'll restore me. If I need a billion dollars, he'll get me a billion dollars. Come on, are you listening? If I need help, he'll get me help. But I am not stopping. I'm going all the way. And he is keeping me. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.